Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate. Hello. Today we're going to be playing Tawanaku, designed by Olivier Grigoire, and the artist is Raphael Samak. It is published by Sit Down in 2022. It is said that Wiracoca created the sun and the pre-Columbian tribes of the Andes. Under his leadership, those who will train the mighty Inca people came out of the caves to discover new horizons in order to subsist and grow in harmony with nature. They venerated Pachamama, Mother Earth, the basis of all living things, plants and minerals on earth and under the earth. In Tiwanaku, you lead your tribe into unknown territory in search of new lands to cultivate. Your goal, to explore regions and draw outlines to develop cultures according to the customs and legacies of Pachamama. If you honor her by respecting the great principles of diversity and complementarity, nature will reward you. Otherwise, you will suffer his wrath. In this race, risk-taking, deduction, intuition, and a good sense of timing should allow you to get through. And the mechanics are deduction, grid movement, and modular board. Um, and the box art? Um, okay, it's a um, very calming, pleasant scene of uh, a mountain. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> but well, it's an abstract mountain that is Mother Earth. So, um, yeah, the mountain is put together with like collage style pieces of uh, striped yeah, shapes sure. that create a uh, Mother Earth looking figure. And then there is an explorer type in the lower left getting ready to cultivate and explore mm -hmm. and the uh, title is in kind of um, a font that suggests like the indigenous history within the letters it has like nature like symbols all right uh, based on all this would you pull it off a shelf yes um, so I don't know the cover really grabs me I, I yeah I don't know like it's it's nice, but I wouldn't. I will say like they have the sleeve. Yes, the sleeve which is, is very bland. Mm -hmm. I feel like that wouldn't jump out. This would at least like catch your attention, maybe. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested, but like I don't know why they do the sleeve thing because it's always more boring than the box art. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, is. The sleeve is just sort of like a green with some very um, subtle patterns, and then the the title, the bit of the description that I've I've read. Um, just interests me personally, having uh, lived in places where there is Quechua culture. I'm interested to see what that looks like in a game. Mm -hmm. um, I'd probably say no. I think the box art would maybe kind of grab my attention a little bit, but I, I guess it's a case like I don't know that much about it, so I might skip it. You might miss out on games you don't know about because you don't know the topic. So mm -hmm. um, nothing really jumps out at me that would make me grab it, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think it's played? Exploring territory to cultivate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I can see the grid movement that we're moving around a grid to mm -hmm. claim our territory. I'm not sure how the deduction comes in. I guess, like, trying to predict what you're going to do. What do you think? Like, my movement or... 
what you're going to grow. How, do, how does Pachamama <laughs> come in? Um, that's a deduction. I need to determine what, what Mother Earth wants me to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you think she wants you to do? Um, have lots of animals. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, keep everything in balance. Mm-hmm. It's it's a race. I'm racing with you, so I want to stay balanced and have good timing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna do really well at this game. Uh huh. But maybe I will because I have good event timing, so I will know the right time to <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to cultivate yes. and to move and to take. It's over, really a feel more than a clock. The, <laughs> yes, that's what Mother Earth would say. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, race you to take the, over the grid. But at your own pace. At my own pace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. All right. What is the history of no, um, Mother Earth's scheduling system? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had that history. I've mostly just been looking at llamas. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you like to hear about options for feeding llamas? <laughs> yes. So, you have quite a wide range, a wide variety of feeds for llamas <laughs> okay um no i don't think this is that interesting we can look at the history of llamas should we focus on the inca empire not a very good history <laughs> <laughs> how about in the u.s <laughs> llamas were first imported into the u.s in the late 1800s as zoo exhibits restrictions on import Importation of livestock from South America due to hoof and mouth disease combined with lack of commercial interest resulted in the number of llamas staying low until the late 20th century. In the 1970s, interest in llamas as livestock began to grow, and the number of llamas increased as farmers bred and produced an increasing number of animals. Both the price and number of llamas in the U.S. climbed rapidly in the 1980s and 1990s. With little market for llama uh, fiber or meat in the U.S. and the value of uh, guard llamas, guard, guard llamas. llamas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing them at like a bank <laughs> with a hat. Yes. Uh, so, with the value of guard llamas, <laughs> llamas limited. The primary value in llamas was in breeding more animals. So. Okay, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's, let's find the history of guard llamas. And it sounds like llamas are an impressive creature that nobody really knows what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they they can be used. Yeah, I mean, as it said, like beasts of burden, like they can carry a significant portion of their weight, useful for carrying things, and apparently security guards. <laughs> <laughs> the primary value in llamas was in breeding more. Breeding more animals, a classic sign of a speculative bubble in agriculture. By 2002, there were almost 145,000 llamas in the U.S., and animals sold for as much as $220,000. However, the lack of any end market for the animals resulted in a crash. <laughs> Hold on. There's... Okay, so people wanted, there, there were llamas, there was no need for the llama, uh -huh. but people thought there was speculative value in the llama. Mm -hmm. So basically, <laughs> but there's no market for the llama, so they're just like crypto llamas. <laughs> I'm picturing the multicolored deity llama. <laughs> 
cryptolama. A uh, lack of any end market for the animals resulted in a crash in, bo- in both llama <laughs> prices and the number of llamas. The Great Recession further dried up investment capital and the number of llamas in the U.S. began to decline as fewer animals were bred and other animals died of old age. By 2017, the number of llamas in the U.S. had dropped below 40,000. A similar speculative bubble was experienced with the closely related alpaca, which burst shortly after the llama bubble. Wow. I somehow learned a lot from that. <laughs> Would you like to know how to play? Yes. <laughs> so um, we are farmers. What's going to happen is we're going to have a grid. In our case, it's going to be a five by five grid. Um, there's also a 45 box. I don't know how big it is, but there's a larger one for a larger like game and more players. Um, and we're also going to have five meeples. And what's going to happen is we're going to take a turn. And on our turn, um, we're going to either explore or divine. And when we explore, we're going to be moving around the grid and finding there's terrain tiles that we'll place down. And on top of that will be crop tiles. So to move, there's a lot of movement rules that we're going to figure out as we go. But um, basically, you can move your meeple orthogonally. And then there's like various times where you can like turn and move around. And your goal is to find an empty space. Because if you land your meeple on an empty space, uh, you can put down a terrain tile. So basically, you'll discover terrain. That's the point of the explore um, action. Oh, and when we put down a tile, what happens is there is the um, Pachamama wheel, which is like a wheel with a, you put in a little uh, disc for each scenario, I guess, which is a mapping. Mm-hmm. And it will rotate around. And so the grid that you're moving on has like basically grid points, A1, but there's symbols to be more thematic. Um, but like you'll move that, you'll so you'll spin the wheel to that grid orientation and open a little window and it'll tell you what terrain tile to place now. Um, So that will be the discovery of your terrain. Then you can divine. So to divine, you're going to have a meeple on a terrain tile that does not currently have a crop on it. Uh, You're going to guess what the crop that will go in that tile is. And you'll hand the Pachamama wheel to the other player. They'll move to the grid location for that. And they'll open up the little uh, window that shows you what crop goes there. And if you have guessed the correct crop, you will get points and a crop token. And if you guess incorrectly, you will lose points. And then uh, following that, at the end of your turn, you can make an offering, which will be converting those tokens you have collected back into more points. So if you collect a variety and the tokens are sweet potato, cocoa leaf, uh, chili, corn, and quinoa. So <laughs> I have a leg up on this yeah, already. <laughs> um, and uh, basically you want a set of, of one of each. And if you have the five different offering pawns, it's 10 points. Then there is a whole system of um, how to comprehend Pachamama's uh, desires, mm. which is uh, the shapes that the terrain tiles can make along with the potential of the crop types that can go on them. So that's how you're supposed to divine what might be there. So it's kind of like a reverse. I think it's kind of like going to be kind of an opposite of like a Tetris style game where you're putting them there and you're kind of guessing what they are. And then as you discover more tiles and make more guesses, you'll sort of figure out what could be on each one. I think that's how it's going to play out. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's basically all there is to it. All right. Um, Let's play. Thank you.
We just finished a game of Tawanaku. To recap, I had 51 llama points and Kate had 53 alpaca points. Okay. <laughs> uh, winning strategy. Um. Oh, gosh. Um. I didn't have a huge strategy because it was definitely still learning, but I guess I tried to block your movement a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that gave me more control over the empty tiles. So placing those tiles and then kind of forcing you to, well, maybe, I don't know how successful I did this, but trying to like force you to reveal certain Crops, crops so that I knew it was adjacent yeah. so that I could have better um, information when I was doing my deduction. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got more divination points early and you got more of the tile terrain revealing points. Yeah. Probably worked. And then it really came down to, we were pretty much tied at the end and then it kind of came down to the luck of the last divination. Yeah. Cause that could have gone. Basically we were tied at 50 and the One last person. reveal could have gone either way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the theme? Hmm. Did you um, feel like you were um, farming the Andes? Um, not really. Um, there were a lot of symbols and crops and um, nature things involved. And um, so there was, I would say, like thinking about the like Mother Earth, Pachamama. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt a little bit of that, but yeah, I don't think I was exploring or farming. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the gameplay really doesn't, I think really reflect the theme at all, but mm-hmm. like it's, it's present enough that you like say the terms and I don't know. It's kind of like a cat lady, right? Mm-hmm. Like mechanically it could be anything, but it's kind of a cool theme on top of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of llama pictures and llama meeples and things like that. So, yeah. Uh, you know, not really central to gameplay, but it is kind of cool in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, table presence. Would this jump out at you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is like a basic grid, but the art is done well, so it looks nice as it fills up. Um, and um, there are... I enjoy all the meeples. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy having a llama and then my farmers. And I like all the crops. I was really excited to get the quinoa. Yep. It's a nice color and shape. Um, <laughs> and then there's the wheel. Mm-hmm. And the wheel is fun. Um, yeah, because it has two doors that you can reveal things. There's a lot of uh, the fun Fire llama. Yeah. <laughs> Lining up the yeah. the elements. And yeah, I yeah. enjoyed the table. Presents. Yeah, I think it definitely is cool. It's kind of a different look. It's colorful. It's got character. Um, there's little screens that have llamas on them, which mm-hmm. are cool. I don't know what they're for, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're there. Uh, uh, my only concern would be like, because you have to kind of like, pull the wheel apart, put in your scenario spinny thing. Mm. So like, you know, will that kind of hold up over time? Mm, yeah. Um, I think it will. Uh, but that was kind of my, um, my only thought would be like, it's cool, but like, it's, it's kind of like um, Robin Hood, right? Mm-hmm. Flipping over those tiles a bunch. Yeah. Like, will the cardboard sort of wear out? Yeah. That kind of thing. Exactly. Um, 
mechanics. What did you think of the mechanics? They were interesting. At first, I thought they were really hard because I didn't fully mm-hmm. understand what the what information I had right. to make the decisions. I just did, just decided to divine early on. Just let me try this out. I was going to do that too. I shouldn't have at all. I I guess I was like thinking of it as learning the game, and I was like, I want to see what this is. Yeah. So I just did it. Um, but I shouldn't have because I didn't have enough information at that point. Um. Yeah, and at first I, I didn't realize that the size of the same kind of terrain affected what my possibilities were. Mm-hmm. And so before that, I thought it was a lot harder than it is. Yeah. And I was like, this is, I don't know. I don't know how, like, like it was not fun hard because, like, if it's that random, then it, it wouldn't be fun, yeah, right? You, right? You need to have... Um, some rules that allow you to inform a strategy. And so I liked it better once I knew that there was yeah, a rule. Like once you kind of understand, because I was like, you just have to predict what God wants. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that seems hard. But uh, it does make sense once you, once yeah. you kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of interesting little puzzle. And I guess it goes into the balance part of the theme of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything needs to be in balance. Right. Yeah, I think it's kind of what I said at the beginning where it's kind of like a reverse. Like usually in a game, you're putting down the Tetris tiles and things mm-hmm. and trying to like figure out the pattern. But in this case, the pattern exists and you're sort of uncovering it throughout mm-hmm. the game. It's kind of a cool, I don't know that we've done anything like that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminded me of the actually fjords that Kiwi and I played just a couple weeks ago. Okay. Where it was like, you're kind of placing things tiles down and sort of blocking each other to get points. But like, this is just a more creative, more interesting mm-hmm. way to go about it. And otherwise it's, there's not too much to it. It's some movement rules and then kind of just guessing the mm-hmm. puzzle as it develops. Yeah. I don't think there's too much else mechanically. So it's pretty straightforward too. Mm-hmm. Uh, rules. How is Which, it learning? the yeah. game? Yeah. Um, <coughs> I think it's pretty easy, even though I just said that I missed um well, it's not so much the, rules, the rules as much as just sort of the strategy as you yeah go. um yeah no i'd say the rules are and learning the game is is really straightforward yeah it's awesome. the one thing we didn't we were pretty much just moving our people straight there are mm-hmm. like the rules of you can turn if you hit another one of your meeples or another tile with crops on it we didn't okay. do that too much that might come up with the bigger grid map yeah. where you have to maneuver around a bit more okay um but we weren't doing that too much. So those are kind of the only rules that when I read, I was like, I'm going to have to reread these every time I want to move, but mm-hmm. it really didn't come up too much. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing I have on the rules is that there's nothing in the rule book that tells you how to put together the Pachamama no. um, thing. And so I was like, do I, cause you kind of have to take it apart to uh-huh. put your thing in. And I was like, this wanna, feels wrong. Right? Yeah. Like I didn't want to like break it. So yeah. I had to like look it up and find it on board game geek that told uh, me, yes, you yeah. unscrew the thing slide it in and then put it back together. Yeah, so they should definitely include that. They definitely should have included that in the rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, player interaction? Uh, not great. Um, there's a there's a bit. Um, well, actually, maybe it shouldn't be so not great right away. But I guess because I was um, in one of the early categories thinking about what it'd be like if there were more people. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be kind of boring and slow. Um, it's, you know, with two, it passed back really quickly. Um, and we could, when we each 
had a role to play because as the other person, like you could have the wheel mm-hmm. and be like revealing things. Yep. But if you had more people, I don't know, it seems like it might be a little slow. I could see that. Not, I was Just not a lot to it. Because like, I was going to say, I, th- I thought it was a bit interactive because we're excited. Oh, it's a fire yeah. llama <laughs> mountain quinoa. And right. then turning the thing and opening it. So I was like, I didn't feel like I was not doing anything. Yeah. Um, and then even when you were taking your turn, I was like, okay, she's going to reveal that. And then I was trying to figure out what all like the map pieces would be or, or what my divinations would be. But oh, I can see how fair. on the bigger map with more people. Yeah. Like somebody else could be taking a turn on the other side of the board that you don't have any meeple presence on mm-hmm. and you don't really care. Mm-hmm. I still think you might move fast enough. Yeah. But I could see what your point is. Like if you had a four players, would that be less engaging? Yeah. But I thought with two, it was pretty good. Yeah. I guess it's not super slow. You're not like thinking for hours on your turn. Mm-hmm. So even with more people, it'd be still be fairly quick turns. And I, I guess you, more people doesn't necessarily mean you'd be spread out. Mm-hmm. Like you would still probably all have your meatballs together. So you're you kind of inclined to do attention. that because you have more information. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think... From like some games when you have four people and it's slow turns, the problem is like when the game changes so much, you can't like there's no reason to think ahead. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in this one I could always be thinking, okay, here's my information. This could be one of these things and Mm -hmm. then try to narrow it. So I guess at least you can be thinking when it's not your turn and that doesn't change because somebody did a different move. I think you're saying more like mood is different. Like this is more like a roam that like Yeah. You know, it's it's not like it's not boring, boring, but it's like, it's, it's mm-hmm. calmer, you yeah. know, it's just like, oh, look at that. It's a mountain. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, yeah, I agree. excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a relaxed style. It's game, a mountain. <laughs> you know? we, we did do that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a more relaxed game and it's not like, yeah, super interactive, but mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh, would you play it again? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, just going off of that last comment was it you'd have to be in the mood for it because mm-hmm. of the mood or the feel to it. Um, but it could be a very nice relaxing and the night game maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as we said before, the table presence and the theme are yeah pleasant and enjoyable. I wouldn't say it's, you know, the top of my game list or anything, yeah. but I, I would play again. Yeah. I was expecting a no when I read the rules. Cause like, Oh, it's, Pretty abstract game, mm-hmm. but it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I kind of see what your point. Like, I could see it fitting the Rome slot. I don't know if I'd replace Rome, mm-hmm. but because that's just a bit lighter mm-hmm. in terms of setup and stuff. But yeah, I'd play it again. It was pleasant enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, we're going to have to play it with the four person group. So yeah. I don't like dread that, which is nice. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. Right, that was Tuwanaku. I wish I could say the name better. Tuwanaku. If you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, please send them our way. Uh, you can do so via email at firstturntabletop at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel is um, hanging out with his llama and alpaca friends um, just out. In the Andes. <laughs> yeah. He can be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and 
he says. <laughs> Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I didn't finish. It locked. <laughs> oh, you just have to say play more games. Oh. <laughs> play more games. <laughs>